Amen. It's almost like they knew my scripture for today. <laughs> Our scripture reading for today is from Galatians chapter 5. I'll be reading verse 1 and then jumping down to 13 through 25. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version updated. They updated it apparently. Uh, so that's the newest. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and then 13 through 25. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become enslaved to one another, for the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for this word. We thank you because we know that you're going to speak to us through it. We ask, O oh Lord, that it'll be exactly what we need to hear from you today. And that, O oh Lord, you will use my thoughts as your own. I pray that in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Who doesn't like freedom? Anybody not like freedom? We all like freedom, right? I mean, let freedom ring, you know. Uh, we talk about in the USA having the freedom to worship, having the freedom to speak your mind, having so many freedoms. We value freedom. And freedom is defined in the dictionary pretty simply as the power or right to act, speak, or think as you want without any hindrance, without any restraint, basically, that you have the opportunity to do that. But there's a second definition of freedom in the dictionary. It is the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. The state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. When we read Galatians, and we read what Paul wrote to this church, I think he's referring more to the second definition of freedom than the first. And I'll explain. 
He writes to the Galatians saying that you have been made free in Christ. Free from what? Free from slavery to sin and death. Free from the wages of sin. Free from the bond of sin that used to keep you separated from God the Father. Free from the old way of life that you used to live before you accepted grace. He has told them that their salvation has not come through their works. It has not come through the things they have done. It has come through faith in Jesus Christ. And it has been given to them as a gift from God. As I was telling the children, the problem is sometimes we have a hard time accepting free stuff. Some time ago, there was an experiment conducted. Two lemonade stands were set up. One of them said, free lemonade. And the other one said, lemonade for a dollar. Care to guess which one got the most business? The dollar one. Some people didn't even try the free one because it was free. They figured that if it was free, there was something wrong with it. They figured maybe this one is the bad one because they're giving it away. And everybody knows that if they're giving it away, it can't be good. And so everybody went to the dollar one. The dollar one had a lot of business and a lot of people didn't even give a chance to the other lemonade stand. Now, they didn't tell the people this, but the lemonade was exactly the same. But some people never even gave a chance to the free because it was free. You see, we have a hard time accepting that something could truly be free to us, given to us as a gift. The Galatians were experiencing a struggle with, with that. The scripture tells us that Judaizers had come in to the church of Galatia. They had come in saying, oh, you thought this was free. No, 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 it's not really free, free. It's kind of free. Let me tell you, you need to go ahead and get circumcised. You need to go ahead and follow the law of Moses. You need to do all of these preconditions, and then it's free. You need to do all of this pre-work, and then it's going to be free. You need to follow these rules, and then it's going to be free. Well, I don't know about you, but whenever I hear an advertising of something that is free, and I show up, and then they tell me it's not free, I feel cheated. I feel like you, you deceived me to get me to your store. I feel like I can't trust you anymore because you said it was free, and it's not really free. And so Paul takes offense at this. He gets very upset about this because the irony is that these Judaizers that have come in, they're Christian Jews coming into Galatia and, and saying these things. These Judaizers can't keep the law themselves. And yet they're trying to impose that law on these Gentile Christians that have just begun their journey of faith, believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And they have been told that it is by faith and grace in Jesus Christ that they can receive that. And now these people are coming in saying, not really. There's all these preconditions. You know, Scripture is full of examples that show us 
that Jesus does not believe in preconditions to come to him in faith to be saved. Anybody remember the thief on the cross and how many Bible studies he attended? Anybody remember the thief on the cross and his pledge card being turned in? Anybody remember the thief on the cross who had a chance to volunteer 40 hours of community service before he got into paradise? There was no precondition. Because he believed in Jesus, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. He opened it up right then and there because it was by faith. But you see, these Judaizers were used to the law. They were used to, you have to do something to earn the favor of God, to be able to deserve the blessing that you received. The Old Testament is full of examples where the people were trying to earn the favor of God. In the ancient world, they had many gods. And if you follow that ancient mythology of gods, it was always about finding a way to get on the good side of the God so that the God would give you something you wanted. So if you were praying to the God of the harvest to send rain, you had to do some, something to try to earn the favor of that God in order to receive what you were asking for. And so these Gentiles that are in Galatia that have become Christians were already familiar with this mentality of you have to earn it to receive it. And so you see where the struggle comes in. Because when these Judaizers come in, Paul says, why are you listening to them? And they're going, well, that's what we've always known. That's what we've always been used to. And Paul is saying, no, it's different in Christ. You have been set free. Why would you put yourself back into slavery to these things? He writes, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Christ has set you free. Not only that, Christ has called you to freedom in him. And I think it's important to understand that Paul sees this as a call on our lives. It's not that we were just set free. It's that Jesus called us out of our slavery into a new way of being, into a new life, into a new way of understanding God and God's love. Yes, Jesus came and offered salvation by faith in him without any preconditions. Faith was what was required. And so therefore, Paul says, Galatians, do not enslave yourselves to the law, but practice your Christian freedom to do what is right. You see, he was saying, Jesus has set you free. And now you are free to choose to do that which is right before God. You are free to choose to follow God's direction in your life. You are free to listen to the Holy Spirit that will guide you when you need to make a decision. Oh, we need to learn from this, folks. That we need to take our decisions to the Holy Spirit. We always need the counsel of God in our lives. He 
was saying, you have been set free by Jesus, and now you are to live by the Spirit, not by the law. You're free to follow its leading in your lives. And that means that you are not free to gratify the desires of the flesh. And let's be clear, for, for Paul, the flesh was not just the physical body. It was anything that was sinful that separated us from God and from each other. If you look at the list of the things that he shares, all of these things are things that are either selfish or separate us from God or separate us from each other. They're things that divide us in ways that break our relationship with God. He says, God has made you free to choose what is right and not gratify the desires of the flesh. And the only thing you owe is a debt of love to God and to each other. To love each other as God has loved you. Paul summarizes it with the words, we are to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. He knew something. He knew we love, we love ourselves. He knew we love ourselves. We, we think of ourselves and our interests whenever we're making a decision, whenever we, we have to do something, we always think about ourselves first. It's a natural instinct. Even when we're trying to be unselfish, we have to be honest. The first thing that comes to mind is not the benefit of the other. It's always, what do I want? What do I like? What do I prefer? And Paul is saying, that's not the way you should be. He says you need to be unselfish in love. You need to think about the other. And the word for love that he uses here is agape. It is the love of the community that supersedes the love of self and takes its place. Paul explains that when we love our neighbor as ourselves, we will fulfill the law because if you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't steal from them, you won't kill them, you won't cheat them, you won't lie to them, you won't bear false witness, you won't do any of those things because God's love will lead you to behave differently. In case anybody doesn't know what he means by the works of the flesh, Paul gives a list. He says, don't follow the desires of the flesh, and here's a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. And I love that. Have you ever applied to a job and you got the job description and there was a little line all the way at the bottom of the, of the job description that says, and anything else that your boss decides to throw your way. <laughs> We've all seen that, right? And what is he saying here? He's saying, don't use this as a checklist. Don't use this as a checklist for sins. Anything that separates you from the love of God and from the way you need to live before him becomes part of the works of the flesh. And you need to stay away from it. Anything that, that makes you not love your neighbor as yourself. Anything that separates you from the leading of the Holy Spirit becomes a work of the flesh. Paul says this should be obvious. This should be a given. But if we've learned anything is that 
nothing's a given, right? We live in a society that sometimes calls good evil and evil good. We live in a society that sometimes wants to take a poll to decide what is right or a vote to decide what is right. We live in a society that sometimes is guided by popular opinion rather than by righteousness. Sometimes by politics instead of faith. And so we need to be real clear. He's saying all of these things that should be obvious sometimes aren't, but they should be obvious. He says, if you look at them through the eyes of the Spirit, you will see that these things will not help you inherit the kingdom of God. They will not help you inherit the kingdom of God. And then Paul gives us the contrasting list. These are the things that you should avoid. By the way, anything that resembles these, avoid as well. And here are the things that you should be looking for. He says, the fruits of the Spirit. And I love the distinction between the two lists. I don't want us to skip over that. The works of the flesh, the fruits of the Spirit. The works implies you have to do it. You, you work on it. You, you have to put your effort into it to achieve it. The fruits implies a product or a result. Something that comes out of. When you look at fruit in the dictionary, it says something that is produced out of a plant, for example, is one of the definitions. So when he talks about the two lists, one of them is one that we've spent our wheels working on. The other one is something that is produced as a result of our relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. He says these are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Boy, that last one just always smacks me up the head. Self-control, because we don't always have good self-control, right? I mean, these are the gifts that come as a fruit of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, against these, these, these gifts, there's no law. You're never going to find God telling you not to have patience with your neighbor. You're never going to find God telling you not to love. You're never going to find God telling you not to experience his joy and his peace in the middle of everything you're going through. You're never going to find God speaking against these things because these are the gifts that God wants to give each and every one of us through our relationship with the Holy Spirit. All of these are a reflection of God's selfless love for us. The kind of love that we have to have for each other. Now the temptation when we hear a list of fruits of the Spirit is to want to work to earn it. To want to work to develop them. And when I thought about this, I thought about gardening. Any of you planted a vegetable garden? And you, you wanted to plant the garden, so you were intentional about it. So what did you do? You tilled the land. You prepared it. You, set, you picked the right spot with just the right amount of sun. You, you tried to put down the mulch and to weed and to do everything that you could for that garden to produce because you want to you receive the fruit. 
At the end of the day, though, you went to bed one day and woke up the next day, and there was flowers on your garden. And guess what? Happened overnight. You had nothing to do with it. God provided the growth. God provided the fruit. And sometime later, you went back to that same plant and saw the beginnings of fruit. And sometime after that, you saw the full harvest come into play. And the reality is that all of that happened because of God's grace and provision. You know, we can do everything to set the conditions for our growth, both spiritually and physically. But the reality is that at the end of the day, we have to trust God for it. And we have to let God give us the fruit that he wants. In many ways, I think Paul is saying it's the same thing with the fruits of the Spirit. If you worry too much about the work that you're going to do to receive it, you're missing the point. If you worry too much about spinning your wheels doing this or that in order to deserve it, you're missing the point. You have to be able to receive it as a gift of grace given to you through the Holy Spirit and that by working on your relationship with the Holy Spirit and with God, it'll come in due time exactly when God wants it to and exactly how God wants it. Paul wanted the Galatians to understand that we belong to Christ and that that means that even though we were freed from sin, we now have a new master. We now have a Lord and a Savior and that we choose to follow him. And that means that we subject our will, we subject our desires, we subject everything about ourselves to Jesus Christ because he is our Lord and Savior. Now, we can't presume to call ourselves spiritual if we continue to just follow our own desires. Because the definition of spiritual for Paul is living by the Spirit. That's what for him defines spirituality. It's not how many times you pray. It's not how many times you go to church. It's not even how much money you give. It is about the relationship with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus Christ. He says, I want you to be clear, the spirit opposes the flesh and the flesh opposes the spirit. And the reality is that we are caught in the middle, almost like a tug of war. And we are being pulled in both directions. And we have to learn to listen to the spirit, to oppose the flesh, to deny ourselves and to follow Jesus. Because as Christians, that is what we're called to do. But we don't do that out of obligation. We do that out of love and thanksgiving for what Jesus has already done for us. Through him, we are free. Free to live by the Spirit, free to seek God's will, and free to go where he leads us. He gives us the freedom to choose what is right. I pray that we continue to seek the fruits of the Spirit, not in our own effort, but through the grace of Jesus Christ, who gives them to us freely. Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for Paul who was willing to challenge these Judaizers that were coming in trying to impose more preconditions to salvation. We thank you, Lord, that he was willing to say, no, this is, this is a gift of God in Jesus Christ through faith. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will help remind us that we are your children, that we have received this gift through our faith in Jesus Christ, and that you will help us to seek the fruits of the Spirit as a gift that you give each and every one of us when we are living by the Spirit. Help us, Lord, to just walk in your ways and to deny ourselves and follow Jesus. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As always, the altar is going to be open. Today, I just want to open it in a different way because we are going to be meeting after the church as a church. And I just want you to take a moment and pray for the church. I want you to just come up and have a moment with the Lord and just pray for the church. Pray for us. Pray for you. Pray for our leadership. Pray for our denomination. Pray for what the time in which we are living because this is a time in which the church is being called to be the church. And we have to ask God to lead us through the Holy Spirit.